pastor here. I'm so glad that you and your family are joining us today here at our Brandon campus, those of you connecting with us online. Such a privilege to have you. And I want to invite you back next week as we kick off a new teaching series called Difference Makers. And it's, it's really much more than a teaching series. It's a missions emphasis. And over the next four weeks, we are going to look at some of the most powerful stories coming out of our faith family here at Bell Shoals related to some real people with real hope and uh, some people who have experienced some uh, just incredible opportunities to be salt and light to our neighbors and even to the nations. Because um, if you're new to Bell Shoals, one of the things you'll quickly pick up on is that we are a community of Christ followers that are very, very passionate about missions and gospel engagement. And we have sent over the years, dozens of missionaries all around the world. We've sent out uh, church planners from here all over the country. And uh, we are very, very grateful for the opportunities that we've had to impact uh, not only our neighbors, but also the nation. So over the next four weeks, um, we're gonna have some of our faith family here with us to share their stories with you. And you will be encouraged, you will be moved, and you will be inspired. So it's really gonna be a powerful time in our church. Uh, every campus is gonna be celebrating these stories, sharing these stories. And so I wanna encourage you to be back with us next week. Bring somebody with you because I, I promise you it, it will be life-changing to see uh, how God is at work through some real people um, with, with real hope uh, trying to impact others for the sake of King Jesus. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about the next four weeks, but also excited about today as we wrap up our series called Intentional Family. And we've been talking about some strategic aspects of family over the past few weeks. And if you're here for the first time or you're catching us online for the first time, you can go back and uh, catch up on any of these messages. They're available on our YouTube channel or our podcast. But we've tackled some really serious, significant topics in, in this series that are vitally important for family in the 21st century. We've, we've talked about technology and purity. We've talked about finances. We've talked about parenting. We've talked about marriage. I mean, we've tackled some really, really, really big issues. And as we wrap up the series today, we're gonna talk about what I believe is, is a really good counterbalance to all of these topics. And that's the importance of cultivating a culture in your family of fun and laughter and joy. Because uh, as we'll see today from God's word, the, the family that laughs together, the family that does life together, the family that, that loves each other and enjoys each other is really building a museum of memories that is, is something that leads to really a lifetime of joy. And, and it's so important that in, 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 in a culture where there's so much happening around us that we take time to invest in each other, to enjoy each other, to laugh together and to do life together. Uh, I, I, think of, um, I, I think of the privilege that my wife and I have with our, our four children to, to raise them, love them, to do life with them. And man, it's hard at times. Uh, as we've talked in this series, being a parent is the hardest job in the world. And uh, if you feel like you've got parenting figured out, that, that, that is for one reason only, you don't have kids yet. 
Uh, that, that, is the, that is the only possible way that you could ever think you got parenting figured out because you don't have kids yet. But for those of us who are in that life stage, of those of you who've been through that life stage, uh, man, you know, uh, being a parent is the hardest job in the world, but it's also the greatest privilege because, you know, we, we have the opportunity to shape the lives of our children in such a way to where, as the scripture says, they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And we get to, to launch them one day in such a way that they make an impact for the Lord. And, and uh, you know, I think about the difficulties, the hardships, the challenges, but also the joys. I remember one time our, our family was camping because uh, my wife loves to camp and I like to camp too. When I camp, it's in a holiday inn. Uh, I don't know if any of the rest of you camp that way. My idea of camping is a holiday inn. My wife likes to camp out where it's dirty and we stink and it's cold and the food's not very good. And for some reason she loves that. So I remember one time when our kids were little, we went camping. And, uh, and one of the days we were camping, we rented some canoes because apparently we were living like it was 1743 and uh, we thought oh, it would be fun to canoe down a river. I don't know why they have boats now, you may have heard, okay, but we were gonna canoe. So we got two canoes and the boys were in a canoe and the girls were in a canoe. And so uh, my boys and I, we sat out uh, in the canoe, just like Daniel Boone, man, I mean, Davy Crockett, here we go. We're canoeing down the river. The girls were canoeing down the river. Of course, the girls are like on cloud nine. My wife, this is like her dream vacation, canoeing. Okay, and so they're paddling and having fun. And oh, look, trees. Oh yeah. And the boys are back here like, we should be playing football or whatever. And so after about 30 seconds, I say, boys, let's take out the girls. Like to me, that's how you have fun canoeing. You take out, it's like bumper cars. You know what I mean? So, hey, let's, let's, let's get up to the girls and let's push them over. That'd be hilarious. And the boys are like, yes, right? We prayed about it. The Lord was in it. Where two or three are gathered, the Lord is in the middle. Okay, so, so we paddle up to the girls and, and man, we were so excited. We reached out to tip them over. You know what happened? My wife, who, if you haven't read this out yet, is not walking with the Lord, okay? Or we wouldn't have been canoeing, okay? But she, she pronounces like a voodoo curse on us. And instead of them going over, we go over, okay? And so like, I, I don't know how this plan failed, but it failed miserably, okay? And, and my boys were little. My youngest was, I forget how old, I mean little. And, and so we go toppling over into the river. And now it's like a scene from Titanic. Okay, I mean, like we're flapping around, like I'm underwater. I come up uh, out of the water and a few feet away, my youngest son is in a sheer panic. I mean, ah! okay. And I mean, literally it's like Leonardo DiCaprio out in the Atlantic Ocean, okay, like the Titanic. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's panicked. And I'm like, oh no. So like, I mean, dad mode kicks in and I swim over as fast as I can. I'm thinking the whole time we shouldn't have been canoeing. I didn't want to go canoeing. I don't know why we're canoeing, but I'm going, this is my wife's fault. Somehow it's her fault. Okay. And so I'm coming and I'm just swimming the whole, and I get to my son. I go, all right, buddy, buddy, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm trying to hold him up. And all, and all of a sudden, like trying to hold him up, my legs go down and I feel the ground. And I am not making this up. We were in two feet of water. 
Now, my son was little, but he was taller than two feet. He could have just put his feet on the ground. And so I just like, I don't know, like some mythical water creature. I just stand out of the water. I come holding my son, you know? And they're like, buddy, it's okay. Just stand up. Put your feet. Ah, I panic. Put your legs down, buddy, right there. And he stands up. Of course, the girls now are just hysterical. And they're making fun of us, which doesn't seem very nice. And, and uh, we, I mean, we're, they're just losing it. Now, my, my, now we're all laughing. And, and to this day, to this day, we still talk about that. I mean, like, I don't know, we were, uh, we, we, we went down to the Everglades last year. And we were kayaking the Everglades because we don't have much um, hope for our lives. We thought, well, let's just... We'll just get eaten by alligators. So we, I mean, hey, you remember that time? Remember that time we were like this? Remember when the boys tried to tip us over? I mean, we, to this day, we still laugh about that, you know? And, and um, we'll never forget that. I mean, my kids will never forget that. Anytime we're around water, the girls remind us about how foolish we were <laughs> trying to tip them over. And we ended up going over in the foolishness of drowning in two feet of water, you know? You think back of, and your family, if I were to ask you right now, hey, what, what stands out to you about your family? You, no doubt you would have things come to mind just like that. A trip, a vacation, an experience. I mean, if I were to ask your children or I would ask your grandchildren, hey, what do you love most about your family? You know what they would tell me? Stories like that. You know what your children would not say to me? They wouldn't say, Oh, I love the fact that we live in a four bedroom house or we have a nice minivan or any of those things, which are fine. But, but isn't it interesting? Like if, if I were to ask your children, your grandchildren, hey, what do you love most about your family? They're gonna tell stories like that. Because, because really when you have a museum of memories, it leads to like a lifetime of joy. And I wanna show you today that in the midst of everything else we're navigating in the context of family, I mean, busy schedules, sports schedules, work, travel, technology, devices, distractions, um, negativity, discipline, instruction. I mean, in the midst of everything we're navigating, it's really, really important for us to remember this, this simple truth. Let me show it to you. God's design for your family is that you enjoy each other, not endure each other. In the midst of everything that's going on, I just wanna remind you today, okay? God's design for family is that we enjoy each other, not endure each other. Because the family unit really should be reflective of the kingdom of God. We say here at Bell Shoals that our faith family is, is just a collection of families. In other words, we are a family of families. And the family unit is really the most acute place that we see the kingdom of God. We see the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the joy of God. We see it in our faith family. We see it in our individual families. You, you, you learn much about the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the provision of God as you navigate family. And so one of the things I wanna show us today as we wrap up this series is that in the midst of all of the challenges we've discussed, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of negativity, listen, awesome families don't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. Awesome families don't happen by, you know what, here's what, average families are average on average. (laughs) 
like we're all inclined to be average, you know, like <laughs> just average families are average on average. It, 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 it takes intentionality to have an awesome family, to have a fulfilling family and have a family that's, that's matching God's design. And as a part of that, we, we need to create space to enjoy each other and to build memories together that form bonds and relationships that are meaningful and that are honoring to the Lord. And so as we, as we walk through the scripture today, I, I just wanna give you a couple of takeaways related to the importance of fun, the importance of laughter, the importance of joy, the importance of investing in your family in such a way that, uh, that you're encouraging to them and you create an environment where they learn more and see more about the love and the grace and the kindness of God. And there are a few reasons this is so important. First of all, I'm gonna encourage you to take these down. All right, first of all, I want you to see that our need for rest and our need for rejuvenation is rooted in creation, not our own invention. Listen, you need to understand, okay, as we, as we come to God's word today, that our need for rest and rejuvenation is rooted in creation, not our own invention. I'm talking to those of you who are doers, those of you who don't naturally like to have fun. <laughs> okay, those of you who are always working off of a to-do list. I want you to see today, I want all of us to see today that our need for rest and rejuvenation is rooted in creation, not our own invention. Let me take you back to Exodus chapter 20. And if you have a copy of God's word, turn there with me. Exodus chapter 20, I'm gonna take you toward the beginning of what, of what we know as the 10 commandments, right? This is a foundational chapter of the Bible. Even if you're new to the Bible, you will recognize some of these verses because this is the 10 commandments. I mean, the 10, right? Those 10. The, the 10 that Charlton Heston gave us years ago. <laughs> All right, these, these are the 10 commandments written by Moses, okay? The law given to Moses to pass on to Israel. And I, I want you to see one of these toward the beginning that relates to, this might kind of strike you um, as, as odd, but kind of right at the heart of the 10 commandments, like there's, there's, there's one related to rest. And, and here's what the scripture says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For Now watch this, this is important. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And this is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he set it apart as holy. Now, a couple of things about this. First of all, we, we, we don't celebrate the Sabbath as the nation of Israel did. And, and, and it's true that, that, that uh, although we are not national Israel and we don't celebrate the Sabbath in the same way that national Israel celebrated the Sabbath, listen to me, there's a deeper principle here connected to the Sabbath. And that is that God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. 
The reason the nation of Israel had a Sabbath day is because built into the fabric of creation, God set aside a day of rest. And even though you and I are not national Israel and we do not celebrate the Sabbath in the same way that Israel celebrated the Sabbath, listen to me carefully, that does not negate our need for rest and rejuvenation. Our need for rest and rejuvenation is woven into the fabric of creation, not our own invention. We need to understand that there is a huge difference between leisure and laziness. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm not talking about irresponsibility. I'm talking about woven into the fabric of how you are made. Woven into the fabric of the created order is the need to have a day of rest, times of rest and rejuvenation. Listen, when God created the world, he created this way, not because he was tired, but because you and I get tired. Not because God needs anything, but because you and I need him and rest and rejuvenation. God created the world the way he created it because you and I need that time of refreshing and rejuvenation. So does your family. I, I just think the modern family is too busy, too distracted, too negative, too tired. We're a go, 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 go people. We are an agenda-driven people. We are an easily distracted people. And in the context of family, it's easy to slip into routines where we aren't building in rest and rejuvenation. We, we aren't investing in one another in the ways that God has designed. And listen, if you're always burning the candle at both ends, you won't shine as bright. None of us are made to go, 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 go all the time. And, and in the midst of family and that, that community that we have in our homes where there's so much to do and there's so much to tackle, it's so strategically important that we keep in mind God has made us in such a way that we need times, days, seasons of rest and rejuvenation because God is working in the world in such a way that you and I ultimately enjoy him and we enjoy what he has entrusted to us. I want you to see how Paul said it in 1 Timothy 6. I love this. He says, our trust should be in God. Look at this. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God gives us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And, and Paul tells Timothy, reminds Timothy that what God has given to us, we, we ought to utilize for others. The first part of that verse is talking about warning the rich not to be selfish, not, not, not to put their trust in their riches, right? But to look to the Lord and, and to understand that all he's given to us, he's given for our enjoyment. We are blessed to be a blessing and we are blessed to give glory and honor to God. And when you give a gift to your children, what is the number one way that they can honor you in receiving that gift? You know what we often think? Well, I got to give something back. Someone does something nice to you. Someone gives you something that unexpected. What's the first impulse in our society? Oh, oh yeah, man. Hey, I'll hit you back. Yeah, no, no, no. I've got to do something for them. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. What's the number one way you, you honor someone who's given you something? What's the number one way your kids honor you when you give them a gift? I'll tell you how they enjoy it. 
They thank you for it, right? They appreciate it. Like that's the number one way that they honor you. Uh, those of you remember like with little kids, you remember, you remember when your kids were little, you give them a gift and they play with a box more than the present? <laughs> you, you, you know what happens as your kids mature and grow? They stop playing with the boxes. All right, those of you with teenagers, you get them a new iPhone for Christmas, I promise you they are not gonna throw away the iPhone and play with a box. And you give your child a gift. What's, what's the thing you wanna see as a, as a gift giver? You, just, you wanna see them grateful, thankful, excited. You want them to enjoy to use what you've given to them. And look, look at what Paul's saying to Timothy here. God gives us everything he gives to us for our enjoyment. So how do we honor God with that? We, we receive with gratitude. We enjoy with gratitude. We honor the Lord as the giver of all good things. And, and God, God's working in our lives in such a way that we first and foremost love and enjoy him. And then that we are blessed by his kindness and generosity to us. And we steward it well. But a part of what he's given to you and a part of what he's given to me is a created order where rest is required. Where we pull away and we focus on our relationship with the Lord and we focus on our health and our holiness and we have opportunity to invest in our family and those who are in the closest proximity to us. None of us are superheroes. None of us can just go, 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 go without consequence. No, we have to have a pattern, a healthy pattern of cultivating rest and rejuvenation. God's created the world in such a way. And in that rest and rejuvenation, he's created us to enjoy him, to enjoy what he's entrusted to us and enjoy those within our closest proximity. And, and I'm mindful what Jesus said here. As, as in his earthly ministry, he, he kind of cast vision for what he came to accomplish. Do you remember what Jesus said? I love this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Listen, you may be here today, you may be watching us online today, and, and you feel a certain weariness in your soul. Maybe there's a weariness in your family. Maybe there's a a pattern in your life of chaos and you feel like you just can't get ahead of it. Hey, I, I just want you to understand that our greatest need for rest is spiritual, it's not physical. And Jesus came first and foremost to free every single one of you from the curse of sin, the bondage of sin, and to give you the hope of eternal life. And if you'll put your hope in Jesus today, if you'll ask for his forgiveness, if you'll ask him to come into your life and save you, if you'll commit to live for him as Lord, if you will worship him, then here's what he will do. He will save you. He will give you new life. He will fill you with his spirit and you will experience rest like you've never known before. And one day, here's what our families ought to be pointing us toward, right? Our, our families should be kingdom-minded in this way. One day we're headed toward a place, right? We're gonna realize a, a place called heaven, right? The new heavens, the new earth, where we will experience full rest. No more sin, no more death, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more futility in our work, no more broken relationships. There we will have complete rest, complete rejuvenation in the presence of our Savior. That is our hope. 
It's not that we won't work. It's not that we won't have responsibilities. It's not that we're not gonna have activity, but we're gonna have it without the burden of sin and without the frustration of sin, without the brokenness of the world. And there we will know completely the beauty of rest. Not laziness, (laughs) no, rest. And so even now, how has God designed the world for us to cultivate healthy patterns where we have rest and rejuvenation, delighting ourselves in him and delighting ourselves in those who are in our care. You see, this is one of the ways we enjoy each other, not just endure each other. We have a need for rest and rejuvenation. We have to weave that into the fabric of our family. Secondly, make a note of this. Let me show why this is so important because a culture of joy and fun, a culture of laughter, right? A culture of joy in your family is a necessary counterbalance to the culture of discipline and instruction. Now we talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of discipline and instruction. And, and, and let me remind you that these are the two pillars on which biblical parenting rests. This is what the, the word of God communicates to us that biblical parenting it necessarily involves both discipline and instruction, training and teaching. And, and so, you know, uh, those of you who are parents or grandparents, man, it's a steady diet of both of those things. Always teaching, always training, always teaching, always training. There's something to point out. There's something to talk about. There's something to discipline. There's an area of training here. You just always go, 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 go. And so it's important to have regular seasons of connectivity, togetherness, fun, laughter, joy as a counterbalance to all of the things that you have to teach and train. Because if you're only teaching and you're only training and you're only saying no and you're only having indiscipline, then, then your kids don't get that foundation of love, laughter, joy, and involvement. And make no mistake about it, parenting involves a lot of training and saying a lot of things a lot of times. Is your homework done? Do your homework. Put your laundry in. Walk the dog. Feed the cat. Take out the trash. Pick up your toys. Get ready for bed. Brush your teeth. Wear your seatbelt. Put on your shoes. Take off your shoes. Lean over your plate. Chew with your mouth closed. On and on and on and on and on. We could go. And those of you who aren't parents yet, but you will be soon, let me just give you a little word of warning. You are going to say some of the things that your parents said that you swore you would never say. That day is coming. I remember growing up, I hate when my dad says that. My mom, I'm never gonna say that. Oh, I've said them. Sometimes I say it just to torture my children. It's fun, <laughs> right? You say things you just swear you're never gonna say. You say them, okay? I, I, I know of parents who have said, get the spaghetti out of your toes. Okay, some of these things you say as a parent, you cannot believe you're having to say to another human being, but you will say them. I say some of the things my parents said, I'm gonna count to three. Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, life's not fair. If your friend jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? You're gonna poke an eye out with that thing. This is gonna hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. (laughs) I mean, I've said all those things. I mean, I've literally said all those things. I mean, I've been talking to my sweet kids and and, and like, you know, as they get older, as we talked about, like you're moving from rules to reason and you're having harder conversations and you're seeing their heart shift from their primary identity from a parent to a peer and their friend groups are so important to them. And I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm just, oh man, how else do I say this? If they jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? I don't wanna say that, my parents said that. I don't wanna say that. And you, you're, in the moment, you just got seconds to make that decision. You know, I'm like, what else can I say? I don't wanna say, 
Well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? I mean, that's all I got. You know, that's all I got. And you end up saying the same things that you were told. And, and, and so, so there's so much teaching. There's so much training. There's so much busyness running from work to school activities, to sports activities, to other extracurriculars, to going home. And then everybody's on their own device. And I've counseled with many families that don't even eat dinner together. You know, they all just kind of grab their food and go off to their own spaces. I've seen on many occasions families in restaurants where no one's talking to each other because they're all looking at their phones or whatever they have in front. And I'm just saying, uh, we, we live in a society where it's harder and harder and harder to stay deeply connected and to cultivate the type of joy, laughter, fun, togetherness that families need, that kids need. And so just hear me say this. One of the reasons that we wanna cultivate a culture of fun and laughter and joy and togetherness is because it serves as a necessary counterbalance to all of the teaching and all of the training you're gonna be doing as a parent. And that positivity has a healing effect on your children. Let, let, let me prove it to you. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is what? Good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know what I found to be true? That if you have a steady diet of laughter, of fun, of togetherness, of encouragement, that when, when the time comes that you have to have hard conversations, you have to discipline, maybe it's a rebellious season of teaching, training, discipline, instruction. You know what? If there's been a foundation of joy, laughter, fun, togetherness, listen, that, 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 that cheerfulness, that, 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 that joy, that laughter literally has a healing impact on the hearts of your children. It's a necessary counterbalance. It's like good medicine, the scripture says. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Proverbs 15 says this, a glad heart makes a happy face, a broken heart crushes the spirit. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy of heart, life is a continual feast. We have to have the counterbalance to discipline and instruction. What's the counterbalance? Well, we see in the order of creation, the need for rest and rejuvenation. We see in scripture, the importance of joy, of laughter, of, of, of having a happy heart, which is like good medicine, a joyful heart, like good medicine. It's a reminder we need as parents, as families, both discipline and instruction, but we also need joy and laughter. Let me remind you, your family's not a boot camp where the parents serve as the drill sergeants. <laughs> Your family's not a school with the parents as teachers. The family unit's not a business where the parents serve as the CEOs. The family's not a science lab where the parents are researchers. No, listen to me. There is no perfect formula for a perfect family. It's hard. You will fail, your kids will fail. There's no perfect formula for a perfect family family. And so we have to take the word of God and apply it across the spectrum of family and see that we, we need to build on a foundation of joy, of love, of laughter. And on top of that, have necessary discipline and instruction. We need both. Let me say it this way. Your children, your grandchildren, they need a steady diet of what we would call negative reinforcement, but they also need positive reinforcement. It's easy to have the negative. It's much more difficult 
to have the positive. I'm gonna encourage you today to build on the foundation of the positive. And when you do that, then you can survive <laughs> all of the teaching and the training. Uh, I've shared with you before, but you know, our, our, our family's just been through various aspects of, 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 of the good and the bad and the hard and the times of blessing and encouragement. But it, it's, it's fun now to kind of look back. My kids are old enough now. I look back and I, I see where, um, man, you know, it, Again, there's no perfect formula here for a perfect family, but there were some things that the Lord really blessed. And, and to see my kids now um, in the life stage they're in, look back, you know, it's, it's fun. And, and actually it's fun to the extent where one of the most difficult things we do as a family is try and get a picture together. Not because my kids don't know how to stand still and smile. You know, when your kids are little, you're trying to get them all to look at the camera and smile. Do you remember some of us actually did this in a, in a day and a time where like you were using actual film? Remember, you were at uh, J.C. Penney or wherever, and you're like, you got like one shot at this thing, right? And so you, you, you know, you and you had to wait for the film to be developed. Do you remember that? And you were just, you were just hoping beyond all hope that the photographer got one good shot where everybody was looking at the camera. And now you don't have to worry about that. You get everybody together, and the kids are little. It's hard, you know. And you just you snap, 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 and then it's like. Okay, let me see if I got, let me see if I got one, got one. The kids are, everybody stay here. I got stay here, right? Ah, and then, oh no, I didn't get it. Let's do it again. And it's just, it's just hard. Look, when your kids, like my kids are older now, I, that's not my problem. My problem is they're all a bunch of goofballs. Let, let me show you a picture. I've I, shown you something similar before. Let me, this is a picture of me and my girls. This is, uh, I don't know, almost two years ago, we were out on the beach. There's me and my girls. It took 10 minutes to get that picture because of things like this, okay? Here is nincompoop number one, okay? That's my oldest son strolling through Times Square reading billboards, all right? So we finally got him out of the way. All right, that was funny. Okay, let's do it again, okay? And then nincompoop number two, my youngest son, who for some reason unknown to me is wearing my wife's hat. So then, of course, my wife wants to get involved. All right, let me get a picture with the boys. All right, let's get a picture with the boys. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Literally, that's actually a pretty good photo bomb right there. I'm scrolling through these. I'm just thinking of stuff, you know, this week, preparing this message, and I'm scrolling through. I'm not kidding you. I have hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of pictures like that. I have five good pictures of my family. <laughs> I think we've overdone it. <laughs> And, and here's what I know to be true, that if you're building on a foundation of, of course, the word of God, that's what this whole series has been about, but, but a culture of laughter, a culture of fun, a culture of togetherness, a culture where you're taking advantage of time away, time together, then when you have to have the hard conversation, you have to bring the discipline you go through those seasons where your kids are strong-willed or you go through those seasons where your kids are struggling, you have both to lean on. You've got a pattern of joy, laughter, and togetherness. You've got a pattern of teaching and training. And both of those things are necessary as we think about a godly family that, that glorifies the Lord. Let me show you what Ecclesiastes 3 says. There's a time to cry, but there's a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. Now, some of you who've been around church a while are getting a little bit uncomfortable with that. 
Don't worry, I'm not gonna dance. I'm not really sure what kind of, okay, okay, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, okay, I'm not sure what kind of, it's appropriate dancing, I'm sure, but I don't, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with that myself, all right? But what's Solomon saying? There are times when you grieve, times when you cry, but you know what? Then there are times to laugh, there are times, and I'm just saying you need both. And then I love what he says in Ecclesiastes 8. Remember, this is literally the wisest human being who's ever lived. Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom above all other things. The Lord gave it to him. Here's what he said. This, right, this life, this life, look, he says, good people are often treated as though they are wicked and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. And this is so meaningless. In other words, here's what Solomon is saying. Life is hard. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Life is hard. Sometimes good people are treated like they're wicked and wicked people are treated as if they're good. Life is hard. Life is at times unfair. Life is difficult. It's taxing. It's trying. It's difficult, so difficult. But then he says this, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with all of the hard work that God gives them under the sun. In other words, it's not that you don't work hard. It's not that you don't navigate the ins and outs of life, but he's saying, I also recommend that you enjoy what God has given to you. Both are necessary. And so why, why do we think about fun, laughter, joy, and creating that culture in our homes? Well, First of all, it's rooted in creation. We need seasons of rest and rejuvenation. Secondly, it provides a necessary counterbalance. And then finally, check this out. It, it, it keeps us in balance because busyness that is out of, out of balance keeps us from what is best. There's nothing wrong with being busy. There's nothing wrong with working hard. Like I said, leisure and laziness are two different things. We've talked about in this series, the importance of working hard but there's also a type of busyness that can be out of balance and that keeps us from what is best. It's easy to lose sight of the most important things when doing the necessary things. One classic example of this in the scripture is Luke 10, where Jesus is, is, is meeting with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Check this out. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and said, I love this. She's going to come and she's going to tell on her sister right in front of her sister and right in front of Jesus. I love this. She just storms right out. I can just imagine what she does. Storms right out. She comes up to, there's Mary and Jesus. She says, Lord, does it seem unfair to you that my sister's just sitting here while I do all the work? Tell her to get up and come help me. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that room, right? I mean, like, like right there. Tell her to get off the floor and get in here and help me. And Jesus says this, my dear Martha, you're so worried, so upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it and it's not gonna be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's not, not that the preparing the dinner was a bad thing. It's not that Martha was engaged in a bad thing. It's just there was a more important thing right in front of her. And Jesus in essence is saying, you don't have me here long and you're gonna spend so much time worrying about all the details of this dinner that you're not gonna have time with me. And that's the most important thing in the world right now. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, we can just door dash something to eat, <laughs> right? It's called Uber Eats. Now, Jesus is just saying, listen, I'm here and I'm not gonna be here for long. 
And so you're doing a necessary thing. It's a good thing, but it's keeping you from the best thing. And there's just that balance in life. But it's a helpful reminder to us because I think our society leans more into the busyness. And if we, if we develop in our families a busyness that's out of balance, it will keep us from what is best. And hey, moms and dads, especially those of you who are just starting out, let me just remind you that you only get one shot at raising your kids. You get one shot. Hopefully I have many, many years to be a pastor. I got one shot to be a dad. And there's nothing more important to your children than your time. It's more important than your income. It's more important than the type of house you live in. It's more important than the kind of vehicle you drive. There's nothing more important to your children than your time. And here's the reality, even for me, right? Like our, our children will not remember much about what we said, but they will absolutely remember how we made them feel. They, they will remember what it's like to be with us. And, and if that's healthy, if it's joyful, if there's laughter, if there's love to balance out all the other teaching and training that's required, then your kids will remember that. They'll delight in that. And um, those museum or those memories, that museum of memories will lead to a lifetime of joy. You say, how can you be so sure? Well, I know for me, my kids have heard almost every sermon I've ever preached. Bless them, Lord. I mean, those poor kids. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were, you know, they, they've heard a lot of bad sermons, I promise you, a lot of bad sermons. And here's what I know to be true about me. My kids will remember way more about me by how I make them feel and how invested I am in their lives than they will a sermon that I preached. And, um, and so we got one shot. We got one shot, you know? Those of you who are grandparents, maybe the opportunity today for you to encourage your family or to invest in your grandchildren in a way that's unique and, um, and honors the Lord. Listen, we got one shot. And, um, and I, I, know, I know as a pastor who's done a lot of funerals, for, for believers, non-believers, it doesn't matter. You know, you know what? No, no one, I've never seen in all the funerals I've done over the years, never seen someone get up and say about a parent, you know, I just wanna, wanna say about my dad, my mom, you know what? Provide the nicest house for me. Drove the nicest cars. Again, it's not bad. those aren't bad things. I'm just saying in every single funeral, every single time, you, you know what meant the most to people? Memories, life, experiences, love, joy. That's what they're talking about. You know what they're talking about? You know what my kids are gonna talk about one day? They're not gonna talk about the number of sermons. They're not gonna talk about the type of house or car. You know what they're gonna talk about? That, that, that time dad swam over to save our brother who was drowning in two feet of water. You know what kind of pictures my kids are gonna show at my funeral just because they're sick and twisted? A bunch of photo bombs. That's what they're gonna show. I remember we got dad on this one, you know? Life, life. That's what they're gonna remember. Even today, with all that we're blessed with, right? In the case of a house fire, what's the number one thing people say they run back in a house for? Photo albums. For my kids, it'll be hard drives. <laughs> Memories, right? That's what means the most to us. 
And so I just want to encourage you. We've talked about some heavy, heavy, heavy things, some necessary, strategic things. But as we wrap up our series today, I just want to encourage you to see there's a necessary counterbalance to all this stuff, and it's the joy of the Lord. It's a joyful heart, which is good medicine. It's cultivating a pattern of rest and rejuvenation. It's leaning into these seasons and opportunities where you can spend time together as a family and have fun and laugh and enjoy all that God has entrusted to you. And in the midst of all the busyness and craziness, if that's a need for you today, I just wanna encourage you, hey, run, run forward in such a way to where you're making that margin. You won't regret it. Your kids need it. And, um, and your family will be better for it. You know, here, here's the thing I tell our staff all the time. We duplicate what we celebrate. And as a faith family, we have a lot to celebrate. Next week, man, you're gonna see some stories that we're gonna celebrate life-changing. And in your family, it's the same thing. We're gonna, we're gonna celebrate all that God has done for us. And so